if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and today we'll help you to design your software or to avoid some issues when you are designing your software. So we have a lot of companies that are starting to design software as a medical device or software in a medical device and we wanted to help you to avoid some pitfalls that are that can happen to you if you are starting to this kind of uh, process. And for that I have with me Veronica Michaluk from HCD Health that we will help us on this uh, topic. So, Veronica, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you so much, Monier. It's a pleasure to be here today with you. Thank you. Great. So thanks for joining and thanks for helping us on this important topic. As we said, we have a lot of people that are really uh, developing now software as medical device. But uh, before we start to discuss about the different pitfalls that we have to list here, uh, can you make a small introduction of yourself? Definitely. So once again, thank you for having me here today at, the, uh, at this uh, episode. My name is Veronica. I am biomedical engineer by training. I started my career as actually designing and building software's medical device. And that happened a long time ago uh, in Poland, actually, as I am Polish, as you can tell by my accent. Uh, after that, you know, I had a, a period of my career in uh, South Korea where I was working in neuroscience department in optogenetics field. And after that, I decided to move to US, to Miami, where I did my uh, master's, my MBA, and uh, I worked there for a couple of years in a big medical device uh, company, and I was focusing on Latin American and Caribbean market, which was very interesting. But after that, I decided to come back to Europe, and currently I'm based in Barcelona, Spain. And uh, also in Europe, that's how I met uh, Zach, CEO of HDD Health, and at HDD, um, I am a principal, digital health principal and head of software's medical devices. Uh, so that's where I'm actually focusing on, you know, creating best in class, best quality software's medical device and actually, you know, focusing on delivering highest uh, value and quality for our uh, customers. Great. And I suppose with all your experience and all the projects that you had to lead, uh, you have seen a lot of issues or a lot of errors that companies are doing and maybe always the same error that they are doing. I mean, uh, it's uh, maybe it's frustrating. So let's maybe disclose that today. What are the main errors that companies are doing? Uh, so I hope by looking at this episode, they will not redo this mistake again and they will already will prevent to do any of those mistakes. Um, so uh, Veronica, can we start with the first one? I think we uh, listed the first one as the risk management. So what can we say about risk management for um, software as medical device? 
Definitely, Monir. Great, great point. Yes. So risk management, you know, as we know, everything in medical device is risk based, yeah. right? So <laughs> very crucial to start risk management activities, like since the very beginning of the, of the project. Uh, but what I've been seeing throughout my career is like very often risk management is treated as a checkbox activity, you know, like some people just want to do it once and forget about it. But it's not actually not the case because we have to remember that we really should do risk management in kind of like, you know, iterative process should start in the very beginning to identify all of the risks, uh, even before the design, because the risks I identified during the, uh, you know, this like initial phase will help us to design, uh, you know, safe uh, medical device. Right. And also, you know, if we just, uh, have this like uh, risk management process as a checkbox activity will miss out on the different threats because you will define uh, you will find different risks in the beginning of the project and you will find new ones new risks uh when you are developing uh you know this device medical device especially in software in software you know in the beginning in the first sprint let's say risks and they identified uh will will be different than risks identified, let's say, after fifth or, or tenth sprint, right? Because you cannot predict everything. So I would really focus on like making sure that you you do the risk uh, management activities, um, you know, in, uh, in the iterative way. So you come back to it. It's not one time and forget it. Uh, because first of all, it's okay what I've been talking about, like missed threats. But then also non-compliance, right? Because even um, the standard ISO 14971, which is about risk management, it's also a very iterative process because there you have to follow like the, the, the process from risk analysis, uh, risk evaluation, all the way through uh, to risk control and um, residual risk evaluation. But it also emphasizes that you cannot just do it once, but you have to, uh, you know, come back to it and add uh, additional things. And of yeah. course, what everybody has to remember, uh, what's the most important for me is patient safety. Uh, you know, we do all the risk management activities because at the end of this medical device, there is patient that will be using this device or software as medical device. So that's why uh, risk management activities are so crucial. Exactly. And um, um, I have, uh, so we have also when we are doing a project, we have uh, multiple ways to do a risk management. We have like, we call it the DFMEA for design, PFMEA for process, uh, SFMEA for safety. I mean, you can have all a lot of uh, pre prefix for it, but uh, the, the, the idea also is the fact that um, I suppose that companies, when they are starting the development of a project, they are already thinking of the risks. They are already saying, oh, we have to avoid this. We have to avoid that because of this, because of that. The only thing is that sometimes they are not formalizing it in a risk management file. They are not showing that in the file or they are not recording that, which makes it like it's an ID. It's not like an action. It's mm -hmm. an ID. Oh, we should avoid this. We should avoid that, but it's not formalized. So we don't have it recorded somewhere. And it can be also an issue because you, you maybe have a good idea, but you, you, you haven't recorded that. And we have also some companies that are, 
asking um and because they don't have the the understanding if i can say of uh, of uh, for example how to develop a software or whatever but they are saying oh what kind of test should i do for this software and uh they think that we have this answer as a consultant but i say okay what are and i ask them what are your risks then because the risks will define the test that you will be doing exactly. if your software is not connected to the internet so maybe maybe cyber security is not really a risk so then there is no need to do a cyber security test if your software is not connected through a bluetooth or whatever there is no bluetooth thing then there is no risk about connection through that etc etc so it depends on your software and a lot of things so using the risk management as you said is not really just uh uh, uh check the box to say i have yeah. one because the iec 62304 asks for it mm. but because you are you are really trying to reduce your risk as low as possible but I, even on the hardware, I saw that a lot where people are just making it as a checkbox, um, mm-hmm. and trying to remember what are the risks and what they have done to reduce the risk and etc. But if you do it from the beginning, it can be an extremely powerful tool, uh, for you and for your team because you have really recorded everything. But yeah, I know that it's not just for software, but it's also for, for hardware. Yeah, for all the medical devices, exactly, to, to the point. And, uh, you know, based on the risk management, you then do the tests. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so risk management, uh, we have IEC, 60, uh, no, it's uh, ISO 14971, which is the general risk Correct. management. Uh, on, our, on our next topic is more the user risks, if I can say, usability. So uh, IEC 62366. So what is the next pitfall on usability? You know, neglecting actually user needs and usability, okay. also forgetting about uh, human factors and usability engineering. We have to, again, remember that all the medical devices and software's medical device that we are creating uh, will be used by patients, right? So our devices cannot hurt uh, patients. So that's the f- very first thing. Like, you know, human-centered design can really help you um, to actually design software that will be easy to use by, by patient, but also safe to be used. But because when we are designing these medical devices, we have to think about, uh, you know, many different things, but, you know, uh, to focus on like usability and, and safety, human factors and, um, and good experience of the patients. Because also, it's not just to design the, the medical device, but to also make sure that our patients will want to use it, right? Uh, and uh, the ad- uh, adoption will be easy, but also will be safe. So we have to remember that somebody to be truly effective must meet the actual needs of the of the users. Uh, and the users can be patient, can, can can be healthcare professionals, can be caregivers, nurses, right? So really overlooking like uh, user needs and usability can lead to products that are difficult to use and potentially compromising you know patient care so that's why i do believe this is very crucial to to remember um about this and what you mentioned um on your the iec 62366 uh, 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 it's a very good standard actually that i would recommend everyone to follow when they design it because then um they will be able to avoid the risk, which is like the low adoption, uh, bad reviews, high cost of the de- of the of the design of the device, safety hazards. Uh, if you forget about the usability, and let's remember regulatory hurdles. Right? If you don't uh, meet all of the requirements, you will not be successful, and you will not be even able to uh, launch the device uh, in the market. 
So IEC 62366 is the usability. And if we now uh, compare to what we said before about risk management, uh, this standard is also asking you to do some iterative usability, like formative study yes. during the development of the device or the software, and then summative study at the end to confirm that everything is fine. So it's the same. So here it's like, don't wait the end to verify that everything is fine. Work uh, in advance and do some formative evaluation of your, uh, of your, of your software. Exactly. Um, and the, you know, the formative that you mentioned, you can do during the design and development, right? You can uh, present mockups or prototypes. You can get feedback of UX, UI during the session. You can do user testing. Exactly. You don't have to wait till the product is done. And you talked about UX, UI. This is a term that is used for user experience as a user interface. The, yes. it, the thing here is that we hear about that, but not specifically in the medical device field. We hear that for any software that we are kind of developing. So we see that it's not just for medical devices that is important, mm -hmm. this usability, user experience, user interface, etc. It's for any other kind of software. And I suppose like a Facebook or Instagram, they are creating some UX UI that are really great. So people are staying on their platform or they find easily the button or they know that by clicking here, they can do that, etc. So this is something that maybe we should learn also from those kind mm -hmm. of, pla of platforms. Yeah, very good point, you know, Monier, because when we are just going to like any any website, right? Uh, if there is something that, you know, just we don't like, we just leave the website. Or if there is a new, uh, let's say, software program, you go there, you want to do something, you want it to be easy, right? So if you go to the, like, for example, online store, you want to find your product quickly, and then you want to do like the whole payment quickly. So the same is uh, with the, you know, software's medical device. When we, de when we design software that will be used by patients, we want it to be uh, easy to navigate. We want patients to just to want to come back and to find uh, things very easily. And also, you know, there is a term which is called behavior change design. And actually, it calls to some scientific, scientific terms and uh, psychology. And it's very interesting, actually, because uh, by following behavior change design, we actually try to understand the end user um, as, as well as possible to then actually design the, the product in a way that the user will just, you know, uh, will use it without any effort. And, you know, also we can use, it's called like small nudges, for example, or reward systems uh, for the users that will also just uh, help them to get and to stay motivated to come back to the platform and to just do the work. Because as you know, in healthcare, uh, patient engagement is still a big topic and it's not so easy to get our patient engagement to, to have it high. So that's why uh, to, in order to increase patient engagement, the usability engineering and good uh, user experience, UX, UI design, it's very crucial. Yeah, so I hope people will be taking more time to to oh, look yeah. at that specifically. The usability is really something important here. Um, what is the next topic, the next pitfall? Hey, just a second. Do you need a EU, Swiss or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. You know, the next pitfall that I would say it's poor and disorganized documentation. Uh, that This is like 
this is very often i i really very often see that sometimes even we see uh companies that don't have any documentation okay uh, but just go you know and start uh developing the product but then get lost uh in in everything because as we know you know documentation it's i know it's a big topic uh also it's required in medical device uh, industry but lots of especially software developers they don't really like it right because they think that it's additional thing for them to do and it's additional uh it's kind of like adding to the workload but we have to remember that documentation is actually very helpful for us because it will help us to st stay organized it will help us to find uh, things quickly about the products and you know actually effective uh, documentation is the back backbone i will say of uh, some the development because what we kind of like we have a saying right in our like quality world that what is not documented doesn't exist exactly and uh, it should be like that because you know if there is no documentation it costs to um loss of the time increased cost regulatory non-compliance uh, so if you for example if you don't have uh, organized documentation right you then will lose time uh, looking for uh, specific uh, documents like where do we have uh, this or that information because when you don't have it organized right which will then um, increase the cost because the longer you look for that you know the, the longer time you spend and you are not efficient so all the operation operational inefficiencies uh will you know increase uh arise because of the uh, disorganized documentation and uh, you know i would also say uh, loss of knowledge because if we document things uh, if we document information requirements about our software as medical device, then different pe people, different team members or quality um, engineers will be able to find information quickly. And also it's about regulatory, right? If you want to submit, uh, you know, let's say 510K, you have to prepare very, uh, you know, very detailed documentation. So it cannot be disorganized. Uh, because you will not uh, get the clearance. Exactly. And uh, I had myself some uh, kind of surprises where uh, some people contact me to help them in the in the CE marking of their mm -hmm. uh, software. And they say, oh, we got contacted by the MHRA because our website is saying that uh, my, our device uh, is doing this and that. And this is then a medical device. And they ask us, where is our CE marking? Where is our dossier? Where is our thing, etc." So they contact me like... Uh, <laughs> Can you help us? <laughs> like, <laughs> there is no, I mean, you, you have nothing, you have done nothing, but you are already selling a device that is, yes. that is apparently on the market. So, I mean, it's di really difficult. Did you have this kind of case also? Yes, also. And that's why, you know, I was like uh, smiling when you were talking about it because it happens, you know, that sometimes just, uh, you know, your customers come to you and they say, you know, I have this on the market and I didn't know this is the medical device exactly. uh, because it's like, it's, we have to like take the step back and you know before even designing the product we have to really think okay is it a medical device does it meet all the requirements to be the medical device if so okay i have to follow all the regulations and i have to prepare documentation because if not then they come to you and monitor to me and you know we have to do kind of like reverse engineering because then you have to prepare all of the documents uh, from scratch uh, which is not a good. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it's it's always difficult to remember yeah. what happened, or how it was done, etc. To try to create retrospective documentation, etc. I'm not saying it's not feasible. It's just really difficult. difficult. Uh, and to be honest, it's even painful for the consultant that is doing that yes. because it's not really the normal way to go. It's like 
think back what was the user needs what were the design inputs that you have done what are the different uh, modules the architecture i mean it's like and even sometimes when you are asking them they have no clue what you talk about so it's more like yes. okay, you have now to educate them and you have then to ask them to try to build something that is was not existing before which is not my preferred project sometimes so it's like okay it's really yeah. difficult this one so let's let's explain to you first because yeah you will it will be painful during the next few months so it's uh, exactly but that's when you actually have to also uh train your your customers right to sit down and to actually explain them why they need all of the documents and what are the steps that you have to do now and sometimes what you mentioned you have to even educate them what are the user needs what are the design inputs the design outputs what are the differences etc so that's why you know our our job is very interesting Monir. <laughs> exactly now i agree with you uh okay so documentation is really really important don't forget that <laughs> let's try to have yes. good documents from the beginning so that you don't have the pen at the end okay next one next one i would say it's very close to my heart it's a uh, agile methodology it's the expertise to develop actually the software's medical device and i call it you know just like lack of knowledge how okay. to use agile methodology that will be compliant uh, with IEC 62304 and IEC 62304 is the sa standard that actually everyone should follow when uh, when designing software as medical device because we were just talking about documentation right and when you think agile lots of people say okay agile doesn't require any documentation because they actually even say that you know uh they're more important let's say things but agile doesn't say uh to just forget about documentation agile focuses on the documentation that is important and the same uh software's medical device and all the regulations so you know what i would say um it's like the the kind of the whole recipe is about really understanding agile methodology and then making sure that you apply specific events let's say in the, uh, agile like sprint uh sprint planning daily uh stand-ups you know the the retrospective the sprint reviews etc that you imply there IEC 62304 um, standards and requirements. Because if we break this down, for example, into writing a user story uh, that, you know, is part of the sprint in the agile world, um, the user story actually can contain lots of uh, lots of information, right? Uh, can can contain the, for example, software requirement analysis. Can contain information about the architecture. So it's about actually thinking about how can you marry agile and uh, IEC Because I would say I wouldn't for software. I wouldn't follow waterfall because waterfall a methodology. It's like a waterfall cascading down you know it's like you have to follow each stage after the other which will then cause uh, increased costs because you cannot just come back and make changes but in agile agile allows you to actually uh, make changes quickly in a proper way of course because if you make a change you have to review it you have to approve it you have to follow the process um but uh, i believe if you follow agile correctly uh, that will be compliant with IEC CC2304. You can accelerate development. You can increase the cost, but also you can make, you know, your, your, um, design more efficient and also ensure that you meet the user needs. Because when you're using agile, you can also adapt to change 
to changes in user needs because people change and user needs change and also uh, regulatory and law requirements change. So that's that's what I would say that the pitfall, which is not understanding how to use agile accordingly to IEC 62.304, is very important because if you understand how to use it properly, you know, it makes a whole difference uh, for the whole uh, product. Yeah, and I can imagine that we have also a lot of people maybe that are listening that are um, actually expert maybe in design and development for hardware, mm -hmm. uh, with the waterfall, as you've said, and moving to software uh, with this different mindset, with the agile. We have made few episodes on agile also on the podcast. So if you want to, to go back and, and, and see that, but uh, having this change of mindset on agile, uh, having different modules or subsystem or unit, et cetera, and testing each of them, et cetera, those kind of things. Um, it's, it can be really a different mm -hmm. mindset. So yeah, having a first, maybe a, a training on what is agile, how it yes. is working. And, uh, if, yeah, how, how you should use it can be great. Uh, training on IEC 62304, uh, as, as you said, mainly a lack of knowledge, a lack of expertise, a lack of understanding of all this can uh, lead to a bad project at the end or a wrong documentation at the end. So yeah, having this kind of expertise can be uh, can be great. But yeah, we hear a lot about agile is more for software and waterfall is yes. not really adapted for software. Uh, sometimes there are companies that do both, like a mix of both. So mm -hmm. it depends on your feeling. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you have really to understand each of those methodology and then as a company, you decide which one is the preferable for you, how you can mix everything to work, uh, work on that. But yeah, knowledge, expertise is really uh, an important, uh, important thing here. Sure. Agree. Next one, um, interoperability and scalability. What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah. So this is a, also a big topic and not only for software's medical device, but for all of the softwares. So what I mean by interoperability and scalability, when you design a software, you have to remember that it's scalable. You you have okay. to remember that first, OK, you create, let's say, an MVP or proof of concept MVP. But then you have to remember about this, uh, you know, end vision, where you want your product to be like in a very end future, let's say, uh, later on. So that you have to design it in a way that it will be scalable. So you, you can add different, uh, let's say, features maybe, or uh, you can you can just improve it, right? So it's, it's very important to make your um, your product in a way that it will be scalable. So that's about scalability and interoperability. It's also a big topic because when you design a device, a software's medical device, you also have to remember that most often, you know, it will not be just like a standalone um, software. It will connect with some different uh, softwares. It will maybe connect to hospital system. Maybe it will connect to EHR electronic health records, then you have to follow fire standard, which is like, um, I, uh, you know, it's a standard uh, for electronic health uh, records that is followed uh, internationally. So, you know, when you think about interoperability, you have to ask yourself a question. Okay, what happens when my user wants to connect my system to other systems? So that's why, uh, that's why you know, you have to just think about the future and prepare for the future. When you design, design, design it in a way you have to, maybe if you don't have like the, the expertise, it's good to, to ask the experts. There are tons of, you know, like, uh, 
interoperability, I would say, expert, great architects, uh, software architects that would create the architecture of your software in a way that will be interoperable and scalable. Uh, so that's what, what I would say uh, about it, that, you know, let's not forget that your product will be just like standalone without connecting to others, because we live in such a world that everything is connected. So we have to enable our devices to be to be able to connect with the external world as well. Yeah, and I agree with you because, uh, as I said before, when you look at now the other platforms like social media, whatever, uh, when you try to connect to them, they say, oh, I can connect you to this one, to this one, to this one. I mean, they give you a choice also to connect, to get gather data directly from those kind of platforms. So it means that here, yeah, you. Uh, it's also during the design, I think there is also this planning at the beginning where you have to say what should your device or your software do. Uh, and in that there should be this interoperability, this scalability, this uh, thing that maybe for the moment the device will be on a, uh, on a, on a computer, but tomorrow maybe we'll move it to a mobile application also. Then tomorrow we'll move it to a whatever other thing. So the idea is how can we let this be open and not close everything and then uh, avoid uh, this, uh, these, uh, these features in, in, in the future. But yeah. This is planning. You should plan. You should try to mm -hmm. discuss all together. This is why a design team is important to discuss, explain, and then prepare for the future. And it's not like when you arrive at the end of the, the crossing line for say to the finish to say, Oh, but why don't we add this? And why don't we add yeah. that? Et cetera, which is sometimes what's happening on software development where people are starting to have some great idea at the end to say, Oh, let's, let's do also this. Let's do also that which was not planned at, at, at the beginning. So I think this is important to, to discuss about that. Definitely, yes. Um, last one, we do maybe again some risks analysis about cybersecurity, which is a topic, as I said, that uh, that uh, is really, I mean, it's something that we are talking a lot, actually, about uh, how can we protect ourselves for cybersecurity. So this is, I think, also a topic that where yeah. people are making a lot of mistakes. Oh yeah, and actually, you know, cybersecurity is a big topic right now because uh, not so long time ago, FDA released a new guidance uh, on the cybersecurity actually, and now every Samdi manufacturer must comply with this new uh, guidance. So we have to remember that we will have to have, you know, regular updates. We have to remember to have software bill of materials and many, many more, you know, requirements um, that we would spend a lot of time on. But that's, you know, just thinking about, okay, FDA released new guidance on cybersecurity, which means this is very important. And, you know, there are more and more uh, cyber attacks, uh, you know, hacker attacks on, on, on your systems. So we have to remember that it's again about patient safety. Um, so we cannot forget uh, cybersecurity. And it's what you mentioned, it's connected to risk management because, you know, we have to um, do the risk assessment. We have to check whether our software is uh, not vulnerable uh, for the, you know, the attacks of the, of the hackers. We have to do some testing, not some, but a lot uh, to ensure that your software is safe. Uh, and it's, that's why it's also important to remember about data encryption, you know, all the sensitive data should be uh, encrypted in all of the software's medical devices. And also we have to remember that medical devices, they gather lots of data, right? So you are kind of responsible uh, for your end users' data. Uh, so that's why 
you have to remember about cybersecurity and you cannot just neglect this. You have to test it, you have to plan well, you have to document it well. And if you think about it, Monia, right, all of these pitfalls actually kind of create like a kind of like a, I don't know, like a circle together because they, they, they are interconnected. Like documentation is interconnected with risk management, then with cybersecurity, then with also, you know, agile methodology, etc. So it's all very uh, connected. And if we understand it well, if we are trained well, or if we work with good experts on all of that, uh, we will be successful and our products will be uh, safe. Yeah, great. So yeah, I think, I think you are right. So it's really a process that has to be clear correct going to the right way and um yeah so sometime um as we say we have some people that wake up in the morning and say i want to de develop this because i think it's a great idea but at the end they are they don't have really a great understanding of all the process and all the yeah. how we, how this is working so having the right expert and having the right process the right mindset the right thing uh, is important because as you've said also, there is patient at the end, there is people yeah. that will be using, using that at the end. So if you design something that is not really safe, then there are, it's, it may be worse than not having a software at all uh, like that also. Yeah. But as you've said, being, um, if I can say, uh, working with an expert, HTD Health, you are expert on that. So why people should contact you and how you can help them? Definitely. So yes, HTD Health, you know, we are a technology services company and, uh, what we say, we are on a mission to actually imagine, design, and build a more human-centric, uh, accessible, and productive healthcare industry. We do have uh, more than 200 uh, now experts on board uh, that specialize in healthcare industry, and we have experts on uh, software as medical device. We have great uh, quality experts. We have great arch architects. What I mentioned to you that, you know, when you think about interoperability or scalability, you have to uh, design your software properly. So that's how we could help. We could help, uh, you know, by actually helping organizations, helping you, uh, entrepreneurs or big organizations to take the idea, the product from idea all the way to, to the market, because we have uh, great UX, UI designers that also specialize in human-centric design. What I also mentioned, it's very important to design the software that will be easy to use, easy to navigate, and uh, appealing uh, for our end users. Also, uh, cybersecurity experts, risk managers, right? So this is like, there, it takes a, a lot of expertise and a lot of knowledge and also experience because we worked with, we've all, already we've, we developed more than 200 projects, uh, which is a lot. Uh, so yeah. that can give us, you know, really like the expertise and the experience needed in, um, in future projects. And what is also very important, what I would like to highlight is that we always take every single customer and we call the customers as, a, as our partners individually because every single project is different. Exactly. So we start by like really discovering what is the problem that we want to solve? What are the user needs? What is your end user? And then, you know, together uh, we design, develop, test, and then launch uh, the software's medical device. Right. So don't hesitate to contact HTD Health if you have any question, and all the details will be uh, on the show notes. Uh, so um, thank you again, uh, Veronica, about uh, these pitfalls. Uh, I hope, yeah, as I say, that this will help a lot of medical device manufacturers to understand 
maybe in advance, not after it happens, but in advance, what kind of issues can happen during a development and maybe to be prepared for that and to have uh, all the, the information or the contacts like you. <laughs> so to, con to contact you directly and to help them to avoid all those, all those pitfalls also. Okay, Veronica, it was really a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I uh, thank you and I wish you a nice day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.